Hey there, my name's Chris Rivers, and I want to thank you for joining us today. And if this is your first time with us, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. In each episode, I explore leadership strategies that increase your capacity and effectiveness with people. During each show, I interview thought leaders, hear their leadership stories, and discuss ways to become better problem solvers and people developers. Visit culturebus.cc to access additional tools focused on each episode so you can create forward movement with your team. Okay, let's dive into today's show. I have a special guest, Alex Johnson. Alex, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. Thank you, Chris. Great to be on. We connected offline recently, and um, I heard some of the things that you're doing, and so I wanted to have you on the show. So tell us a little bit about first where you're located and what you do. Yeah, I am currently living just outside of Seattle, uh, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, been here, it'll be two years in March, and have lived and pastored Denver, uh, Colorado, Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, Chicago, and now out here. Moved <clears throat> out here and uh, on staff at a church currently. And my kind of the other big piece of my life is I'm in a PhD program. And uh, so I'm studying to be an industrial organizational psychologist at uh, Seattle Pacific University. Wow. That's a, that sounds like a a very complicated and busy endeavor right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a lot, but uh, it's really fascinating stuff and super applicable to a lot of stuff that I've been experiencing over the years. And so it's been, been very uh, invigorating. Yeah. Well, we had a chance to talk a little bit about this offline a couple of times, and I wanted to get you on the show because I feel like you have something valuable that people need to know about. And and it has to do around this idea of pastoral failure and restoration. And I wanted to just see if you could share with us why you're so interested in that idea. Yeah. I've had an interesting journey in the church. I've been a believer my whole life. And I have been very close to several significant failures in pastoral ministry and had the opportunity to watch some of them from from the inside. And I've had the chance to see how some of it's been men at this point, but I know that there are women as well, Mm -hmm. uh, have experienced this kind of derailment in their, their ministry careers. And some of them have bounced back and they are just significantly better leaders, husbands, fathers, you know, all that. And it was actually a part of what drew me to this church uh, in Denver, Colorado that I was at. And I I met my wife at, and they had this really cool, it was kind of an informal thing, but where they had a lot of pastors that had burned out for various reasons. And they, this was kind of their first step back into ministry that they were getting their feet wet again. And, um, and we just, we really loved that part of the the church and that experience. And we, uh, in kind of a, an odd turn events, there was a guy who was this really talented guy had started one of the biggest churches in, in Colorado had bombed out pretty spectacularly being pretty unfaithful to his wife. And that, that, that's the symptom, but there was a lot of other stuff going on behind the scenes. And he came on to be a part of what was going on at the church. And, you know, yeah. having seen what had happened with so many other pastors, we were excited because it, you know, bringing, bringing all this uh, talent and gifting to the to the table and was excited to see what God was going to do in, in the midst yeah. of it. And 
it wasn't too long into that that he effectively staged a coup and booted the senior pastor who had hired him okay. and ascended to the senior pastor role. So I had been uh, done done an internship there for a year, and I was kind of serving in a non-paid staff role. My wife was actually uh, on a staff role. And so she came home one day for, and was telling me that uh, this guy had shown up to staff meeting and was just really sad and was, uh, you know, telling how hard it is being, because this guy had lost his marriage and he was starting to date again. And he just said that somebody, some guy that uh, was in the church is really angry with him uh, for dating his ex-girlfriend. And, you know, my wife and I were are kind of looking at each other going, you know, I don't know if it's the wisest thing to be dating women in your congregation. Like that's, that's a one, one challenge, but yeah. you know, we're young and we, we want to believe the best and you know, you kind of go, well, it is an ex-girlfriend. And if it's just a jealous ex-boyfriend, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, it turns out that uh, it wasn't, an ex-boyfriend who was upset. It was a husband whose wife had moved out, uh, was estranged from him, but the husband was still pursuing reconciliation. Wife was living with her, the man that she had had the affair with, uh, which was her boss, but that affair had broken off and now she was dating this pastor. Hmm. And this this guy was a drummer on our worship team and is just going you're supposed to be my pastor and you're dating my estranged ex-wife and, yeah. and lying to everyone about what, mm. what's going on. And that was the, the beginning of just a, of us seeing a, several different things. We, my wife and I went to the elder board and confronted them about it. We were told that it was okay because he's not married anymore. And uh, it, we, at that point left, but uh Within the next year, a uh, local newspaper blew the lid on everything, and mm. I mean, there were restraining orders, and it ended up shutting down the church. Yeah. And so I had this very, very like poignant moment of watching how some people go this one direction in which they're genuinely better after they're broken, yeah. and others are, it's like worse, yeah. and way worse. And so what, what are the differences? And as I spent the last, you know, decade or so in ministry, I I've just noticed this as a, a real thing and I've become very curious about it because pastors are leaving the ministry at an alarming rate. Uh, you know, they're saying that right now only one in 10 pastors who start their careers, pastors are going to retire as one. Wow. And uh, there was a Duke study in 2007 that was showing that 85% of MDiv grads are out of ministry in five years. Wow. Like that's a crisis. And, and we've got to figure out what is leading to this. Why are these things happening? Because they continue happening. Sure. And also just asking the question, we've got all these people that had at some point experienced a call from God. They devoted time, talent, and treasures to getting degrees and now they're doing other things. Yeah. And, you know, you go, what do we do with those people? The, sure. the, you know, we, and in large part, it's because the church doesn't know how to restore people. Mm. And so that's, that's been kind of my, uh, my pathway on that. And so I'm, I'm, it's really cool because in studying 
industrial organ psychology, which is a just its own discipline on its own. I'm getting to bring some of the best research methods and data from social sciences to to bear on this problem. So we're not just throwing our opinions around. I appreciate you sharing that. It's really heavy stuff. And it seems like out of pain and brokenness, you know, you were able to learn some things and you've come up with these 10 theories. We've talked a couple about these and we'll, I I think definitely if you want to learn more about these 10 theories, you can go to betteraffterbroken.com, your website where people could learn more about those. But I was hoping that we could just focus on just one of these theories. Mm -hmm. And one of them that, you know, I looked through all of them, I'm thinking through all of them. And one of them, I wanted to just double click on it, like with my mouse and just learn more. But the third one that you mentioned is that pastors aren't failing in spite of church structures, they are failing because of it. And I wondered if maybe you could just talk a little bit about why why you put that one together, how you came up with that, and what that means for us. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, at some point, when these things continue to happen at the rate that they're happening, we have to begin asking the question if this is not in spite of what we're doing, but it's because of what we're doing. Like, yeah. there's something inherent to the processes and the ways that we're, we're setting things up that are leading to this. And... One of the things that you just notice is that there's in you know churches all around is that we have these church structures that are designed uh, in many ways with the intent of providing accountability and helping distribute authority and and leadership. But in practicality, uh, because of the culture that we live in, we want at some level a celebrity. Uh, we want a personality. We we are attracted to the strong leader. And there's this this challenge that all of these organizations face where you may say that, oh yeah, you know, here's this board of elders and they make decisions. And so if if the lead pastor is wanting to go off the rails or make bad decisions, there's accountability for him. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that that pastor gets up every week and has unfettered time with the congregation. And it, so when it comes time for real accountability, or uh, it, it is very challenging to hold accountable someone who has control of the crowds, yeah. has control of the narrative. And um, I mean, that's just one, one element of it. Um, one of the major predictors of burnout, uh, just in general, not just for pastors, but is uh, task complexity or role complexity. And so when you think about all the different roles that a pastor has to fulfill with a level of excellence, it's not like you can, I mean, you can try to show up to a, a funeral and mail it in, but it, I mean, it, it's going to blow back on you um, yeah. pretty poorly. And so you, you think about all the different roles from administrator, you know, entertainer, uh, creative, um, leading, shepherding, you know, all these different pieces of what pastors today have to do. And the reality that most of us are just simply not that gifted. And I would actually argue that the bot, like Paul's image in the body is that he's divided up the gifts uh, amongst the members of the body uh, for the, the benefit of the body. Yeah. But yet we don't function like that. We don't, the gifts don't get we we don't practice value the other gifts the way that we value the gifts of our senior leader and ultimately it's a system that ends up putting all of the weight on one person to perform and they 
tend to find unhealthy ways like people when under that type of uh, weight tend to find unhealthy ways to comfort and uh, release that stress. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So just to remind our listeners, like a structure, if you're thinking of a structure, this would be like an elder board or a board of directors. So for those of us that are listening that aren't on a church staff, is what you're saying is that the structures, they're weak when, let's say, a celebrity person in that structure that just basically can do whatever they want. That's really what you're saying here, right? Yeah, there's just as with most things, there's, there's the our intent and then there's practice, you know, there's the reality of how things work themselves out and uh, structures can only go so far. Yeah. Could you share how do we actually keep that, those structures from falling apart? So if that's the theory, what is the way that we accomplish this to, to create um, unity and, and therefore a a good, a, a biblical culture that drives our mission and what we've been called to do? Yeah, well, I think it starts with returning to the the scriptures to ca- capture a vision for what the 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 writers, the authors of scripture had in mind for the the church and the way that it would be led. Um, I don't think that there we have taken so much of the current business CEO model uh, in as our understanding of what leader, like leaders should look like. And we've just kind of baptized it and called it a senior pastor and not really understood all the consequences of it. And Hmm. that I, I'm not opposed to strong leadership. Like I, I want to advocate for people who are, are strong and gifted leaders, but we, we end up setting up these structures that, that, are designed for the business world and not necessarily for a spiritual community. Yeah. A part of it is, you know, having people that are not just that authority is shared behind the scenes that there's, yeah. you know, in the, the charter and the bylaws, like there's multiple people that have equal amounts of authority on, on decisions that are being made. Yeah. Um, I also think that we have to be realistic about the amount of time that any one person gets in front of the, the church. Uh, those other voices, the other graces or gifts uh, need to be up and demonstrated in the church. Um, most of the time when I think people are saying, I'm not getting fed at church, what they're actually saying is that I'm just tired of eating this one type of meal. Um, all the different equipping gifts or a different grace that get dumped out in the congregation. And when you only have a teaching grace or only have a a shepherding grace, it like you're in, in effect malnourished, like you're just eating yeah. one type of um, the food that you're supposed to eat. But when you have those two things in balance, both in front of the congregation and behind the, the scenes, it, it creates an environment where there's not this weight on one person. Yeah. Um, and th- these are very broad things that, uh, that are done. But I mean, if you can get to that and set your structures up to, to, to get to that place, you're in a lot of other things will fall into place. Wow, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that. That's a really interesting thought. Let's land the plane here. We ask every guest to share a leadership tip. Is there a tip that you could share with us that you think would be critical for us as leaders to implement in our day to day? And maybe a tip that even helps us accomplish this theory that you've uh, shared with us. Yeah, I think one of the things that people don't talk about very much in preparation for ministry is just how you're going to handle the power that you've been given. Yeah. 
it, it's a very weird thing once you step into these roles and people just see you differently and respond to what you say differently. And I've told people that you are not like leaders are not going to be evaluated by the way that they exercise power. I think that the the greater thing that they're going to be evaluated on is uh, where they've chosen to use restraint mm. and where they've chosen to give away power. And that's the model that we have in Jesus is he's constantly giving away power that he has and can choose to use, but chooses not to. Yeah. And real leadership is about being in these positions where you have the opportunity to do things. Some are really good. Some are really bad. Yeah. And you're, you choose to allow other people to exercise it. You choose to empower, use your power to empower other people uh, rather than just simply exercising power. And it's tough because exercising power is addictive. I mean, it's, yeah. it's addictive when you get to create change and set, set directions. And so it, it's I'm not that we should not be exercising power. It's just simply that I think the, the greatest measure of most of the leaders that I know that I really respect is they are able to restrain themselves. Yeah. Well, I really like, you know, that this whole idea of, of empowering people, I mean, restraint for me, I'm thinking about like, how do you demonstrate restraint? And I think one of the ways that you demonstrate restraint is you, is you get out of the way. And I think another way is, is just to constantly empower people. And I think that's what discipleship is about. I think that's the power of discipleship. It is, getting involved in another person's life and helping them grow in their relationship with Christ. And if you're doing that and you are giving people ownership, you're, you're not doing all the work. I mean, I feel like even at our church, one of the things that we're really trying to focus on this year and we've been trying to focus on is giving away ministry and, mm -hmm. um, you know, just this idea of how do you give away ministry? Well, you, the only way you can do it is if you don't do all the work. And so, I mean, even me, like I just launched this new podcast for Grace Church Volunteers, and it's really just been as a communication tool for our Connect team leaders uh, at our campuses. But like I'm right now for the next, let's say, um, you know, I've got probably nine, 10 episodes that I've already recorded. They post every Wednesday. So there's a part of me that's like, man, who else could I get on the show that I can eventually not be on the show anymore? You know, how do I, yep. how do I balance the, this idea of knowing that I'm not always going to hear Chris, you know, and I am, I am interviewing people every week, but like, I got another guy, Ross, who I've done out of these 10, I've done 10 episodes with him. So maybe even getting to the point of saying, Hey Ross, what if in the next three months you do an episode by yourself? And it might take a little time to get comfortable to do that, but like you are the host and I'm not there, you know? And so I think, mm -hmm. I think, I think leadership development is critical and it's probably why we are having so many people fall in leadership is because we're not replicating ourselves. We're not getting out of the way. We're not giving away ministry and we're not really helping people own the cause of what God's called us to do. We're just doing it all of ourselves. So I don't know. Those are a couple thoughts that I have after listening to you and thinking through like, how would I, how would you, how do you really help people embrace this idea of demonstrating restraint? In my observation, the biggest challenge in all of leadership development is the number one, the delegation of actual authority to accomplish what it is that you're asking someone to do. But then it's a submission to that authority that you have delegated. Yeah. 
So meaning that you're asking someone to get on a podcast and save them getting on and, you know, doing something that's so far outside the bounds of, you know, ethics or morality. Yeah. Like it's, it's submitting yourself to what they do and how they choose to do it and helping them work through the consequences um, uh, of their choices. And so many people, and I, I've done it. Like, I'm not, like, I've got this figured out, but you know, we, we, we say that we're empowering people and then we step in at the last minute because we know, we think that we're going to be sparing these people, but we're really just demonstrating that we don't trust them Hmm. and that we're not actually powerful people that are capable of cleaning up the messes that we make. And, and so it's, it is one of the most unbelievable things as a, and I'm sure you've had it where you've been in those situations where someone loves you and they're watching you walk through a situation that you just, you had to do it your way and it failed and they're not there to say, I told you so, but they're there to say, how can, how can I help you clean this mess up? And what did you learn from it? And let me give you another chance to do this. Um, And that, that's what power is for Hmm. is, is for those situations where that's what a platform is for. Hmm. And so anyway, I, you're thinking about good stuff and uh, it, but it's just hard. I mean, it's really yeah. hard to do that. And yeah, well, um, I, think, I think the harder part is here is letting go. The hardest part is letting yep. go, especially when you've gotten a lot of accolades and a lot of attaboys. I mean, narcissism is a huge deal. We have a narcissistic culture and, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that there's something there to really think through, you know, we're enamored by ourselves, social media and, um, platforms have given us way too many likes than we, than we really need them. And our, and it's funny, like my wife and I, like, sometimes I'll be like, you know, like my poop stinks, you know, and I don't already always think that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Hey, your poop stinks. Yep. You know? I mean, that's it period. And when I think about this in the scripture, you know, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this idea of being poor in spirit means that you bring nothing to the table. So I think that there's a humility here of realizing that even though you're in ministry, even though you have a platform, even though that you're doing something that maybe you're getting out of boys to, you need to humble yourself and remember that you bring nothing to the table, that you are nothing without Jesus and the work that he has done on the cross. And I mean, I think that puts a little bit into perspective. Now that might be a little hardcore there, but that is another thing that I'm thinking about as well when it comes to this idea. So use your power to empower. Lots to think about. Is there, is there any other encouraging thing you might want to share or challenge us as we leave? Yeah, just that there is hope. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you've been uh, you're a, a pastor, a Christian leader who has uh, had a, a feeling and um, bombed out that uh, there really is hope and um, what you may be known for has not happened yet. And so, but it's, it's a hard road and uh, requires facing uh, down some really, really hard things that you may not want to do, but you can do it. And um, if we can be a help, uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, but we, we, we really do believe that you can be better after you're broken. 
So good. Well, man, thank you so much for sharing. I appreciate it, Alex. Um, you can find out more about Alex at betteraffterbroken.com and there'll be some other uh, resources in the show notes as well. But man, just thank you so much for sharing, man. I really appreciate you, Alex. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. We're grateful for the opportunity to be on the show. Yeah. Well, as we finish today's episode, I want to thank you for joining us. As we close, I want to mention a new resource I developed specifically for this episode, and it's called the Accountability Tool. This resource will help you get clear on what you are truly accountable for within your organization, and it's a great exercise to do with your entire team. You will uncover your strengths individually, and as a team, it will help you know each other's function within the organization and truly discover where you can use your power to empower others. Head on over to culturebus.cc and click on the podcast link, or check out the show notes for more information. Also, if you haven't already, consider subscribing on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you prefer so you can be notified with each new episode. Consider giving us a rating and a review of the show too. I value your input and I'm always looking for ways to make this show better. All right, see you next time on the Culture Bus Tools podcast.